Now, P.W. Torch brings you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. It's time to talk this week's WWE Monday Night Raw. So, Nate, uh, we end Raw with an unadvertised but rumored appearance by Paul Heyman telling Cody to back off. And the theme of the show, including with Seth and Drew, was Cody's challenge to The Rock on Saturday at Elimination Chamber. Will Rock accept it Friday on SmackDown? What are the ramifications of that challenge? How might it be answered? When might a match take place, if it takes place? How does that affect Seth? How does it affect Drew? How does it affect Cody? How does it affect Roman? How does it affect The Rock? Uh, a lot of a lot of moving pieces in this final 48-day march to WrestleMania. Uh, Nate, I'll throw it to you. What, are you intrigued by this? Do you think this is... Um, a good uh, kind of tie-in uh, with what's going on on Raw and and uh, develop uh, continuing the the Seth Cody. Uh, I don't know if alliance is the word, but just Seth promising to be by his side. Uh, what do you think of of this story at this stage? With certainly more answers coming Friday. I personally, I'm 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 a big fan of what's going on here right now. Cause it, there's so many, like you said, there's so many moving parts. There's so many different directions that they could potentially go. We're so used to WWE not. Uh, it being very linear with their storytelling um and and it's it's you know within the last maybe six months a year or so probably probably under you know triple h's uh uh watch i guess um at least if i had to if i had to quantify it um he's uh, we've gotten a lot of stories that have kind of started to weave together like this and it's made it's made raw like less of a slug that's for sure um you know, in, in WWE in general, just a, a lot more enjoyable to watch. I I feel like that's the case here with you know everything going on revolving around Cody for the first time in God, uh, first time in forever. They have an organic baby face that the company's behind. Um, you know, it's not like Daniel Bryan where where you know everybody's behind him, all the fans are behind him, and the and the company just won't push him. The the fans want Cody. Um, the fans love Cody and. <clears throat> to kind of weave him into the stories with you know with drew with um you know with seth with um the bloodline and and kind of all of that i think it's not only is it smart to kind of capitalize on on you know uh, cody's popularity but it's it's certainly intriguing because there's so many different directions that cody could go post wrestlemania whether or not he finishes the story i mean even if roman uh, you know, defeats him uh, at WrestleMania and, and goes on to be the champion. I think you know there's still a, quite a few different dire- uh, directions that they could go. Um, and then, of course, you now throw this match, this you know potential match with The Rock into the mix, and that's not even something I had thought about. Was Cody versus The Rock? Um, you know, I, I everybody was talking about you know it, myself included, Roman and The Rock. Um, so now, kind of. The potential for a Rock and, and Cody matches, I, I, that's actually really intriguing to me. Yeah, and and I don't know if they're planning to put it on SmackDown to try to pop a huge rating to build interest in WrestleMania. Because, you know, Seth is talking about we need to take out the bloodline before WrestleMania and, and clear things. So it's just you and me, Drew, standing in the ring, and it's all about the World Heavyweight title. That doesn't sound like, like they're setting up the goal to be achieved, which is a Cody Rock match at WrestleMania. They're talking about trying to take care of them before Mania. And, of course, yeah. it's, they're talking in vague terms. I mean, they're not going to take care of the bloodline where to the point that Cody isn't taking on Roman for the title. But I guess the idea 
you know, we're not supposed to think too hard about what, what does it mean? What if Cody pins the rock? How does that stop the bloodline from, from getting involved at WrestleMania and changing anything with Seth? So you can't think too hard about it. Um, unless the idea is, you know, take out the rock. So he just physically can't or, or psychologically or, or mentally just knows he shouldn't get involved because Seth and Cody have shown their strength. I, I don't know what the actual goal is, but again, I don't think we're supposed to think that hard about it. We're supposed to be rooting for rock to say yes. Um, so yeah, I just, I mean, Nate, what, what do you, where do you, do you think it happens? Is it Cody Rock one-on-one? Does it end up being that match we've been thinking about since the, the kickoff so-called press conference, um, in in Vegas with, with Seth and Cody teaming against Roman and Rock? Is it on SmackDown? Is it somehow moved to the first night of WrestleMania? Do we have any clearer picture on this? I mean, Greg Parks and Brandon LeClaire were, were talking at length about, uh, you know, th- this situation on the Elimination Chamber post show, available for everybody on the PW Torch Daily Cast feed. Search PW Torch on your podcast app or find it, find the uh, the link at pwtorch.com. And, I, you know, it's just everybody's talking about it, and they didn't have clear answers coming out of Chamber. And I don't have any clear answer now other than they are building things right now around that. And also, by the way, advertising, and it came out earlier in the day with Rock's social media announcement, he's going to be on SmackDown three weeks in a row starting this Friday. I, you know, I, I mean, unless they do it at like night one of WrestleMania, I I don't know where else they do it other than I mean, presumably SmackDown, considering that's the Rock's show and and all of that. Um, I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I just actually pulled up the list of pay per views to make sure I wasn't missing something between <laughs> now and, and yep. WrestleMania, because like that that happens every once in a while, you know, in NXT, like uh, you know, uh, they they do those do- uh, Wednesday named shows and uh, Bruce likes to call them PLE lights um, and so I'm thinking to myself like what you know is there anything involved you know anything that they could potentially kind of do there before WrestleMania and, and nothing's coming to me other than you know uh, doing it at, uh, if if a, a, a Rock and Cody singles match is, is to take place um, it would be Smackdown um, you know, like yeah. you said maybe to pop a rating or or, or something along those lines. I wouldn't even be surprised if, and I, I don't know, I, I guess maybe I would be a little surprised. As I started saying it, I'm like, hey, I don't know. But what I was going to say was if, you know, the match was about to start and then Solo Sokoa runs in and, you know, interferes with, uh, you know, the Samoan spike on, on Cody or something like that, yeah. um, and we don't actually see the match or, or something. But I, I feel like that would... I don't know how well received that would be. And that, that, that kind of went through my head as I started talking. Um, But if we get some sort of, you know, uh, I don't know where they've said it. I feel like they need to deliver on it. But now people are thinking about it. I I can't imagine they back down from it and where the rock, you know, where the rock was, you know, reportedly supposed to be wrestling at WrestleMania. Now he's not actually wrestling. Maybe he's, uh, sign. I don't know if he has some sort of a contract deal where he has to wrestle a match or something like that. Uh, I, I I have no idea. Obviously, what those negotiations were, but that's a thought. Um, so yeah, it's SmackDown. Well, it sounds like what it is. Yeah, and Todd Mart was talking about it on the um, uh, VIP uh, Elimination Chamber Roundtable with uh, Rich Fan and Kelly Wells. That it just seems like Rock's going to be around for a while, wrestling more matches than just WrestleMania. This doesn't feel one and done. So. There's a chance that, you know, Cody challenges Rock and Rock tries to basically says no or delays it with some excuse. And 
they are talking about it now, but what's going to happen is Rock is going to be the one challenging Cody at SummerSlam, and or 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 sooner than that in Saudi Arabia or somewhere else. Um, and and so maybe that's where we're going is they're trying to get you really excited about a Cody Rock match. They're not going to give it away on SmackDown. They're not going to put it on Mania. Um, and it's going to be somewhere else. We just don't know. I mean, there, there's lots of questions. There's so many WrestleManias in the past when we got to the end of February, beginning of March, and it was just, okay, let's get to the show already. We know what's going to happen, and we don't know what's going to happen. Um, there's there's a lot of possibilities here uh, before Mania, at Mania, and after Mania with some major names in play. I, I want to talk for a moment before we uh, move on to calls about the Drew Seth segment also because that's part of this. Drew making his case that uh that he doesn't want a tainted win which is pretty rich of him considering he interfered and um mm-hmm. you know like he's, he's benefited all kinds of hypocrisy that that cole is pointing out not exactly hypocrisy in the sense that he didn't orchestrate the bloodline interference but still he seems um th- there there's enough there for people for fans to nod along with cole and and mcafee when they're like ah come on you know don't you're not so pure but that aside drew's telling seth i don't want you worried about the bloodline we've got this world title he said he went, you know, pee on SmackDown to put out a fire. SmackDown was on fire. He's like, let's focus on us, the title based on Raw. It's your title. Let's make it about us. And Seth's like, you know, that it's, yes, it's dangerous to get involved with the bloodline, but sometimes you got to take chances and do what's important because, as I mentioned earlier, he said, let's clear the field. Let's clear the deck so it can be about us at WrestleMania. But if the bloodline's still doing their thing, it won't be. Um, I, I, I thought Drew as usual lately, was great here. Um, and I think Seth has been good playing off of him. I think having Drew and Seth talking about Cody and Rock and Roman and Heyman is making their match feel connected rather than sort of a secondary forgotten match going into Mania. Um, but I, I just continue to enjoy Drew, and I thought Seth did a really good job making his case too tonight. So, uh, and Nate, what, what are your thoughts? Do you agree with that, and, and what do you think of that segment? Actually, no, I, I do. I do agree with that. I, I think, uh, you know, like you said, kind of uh, Seth's uh, Seth's match, especially once Cody picked Roman, whatever match Seth was going to have, kind of did feel a little secondary. And obviously, we didn't know who that opponent was going to be until Elimination Chamber. But um, but I feel like, like you said, they, where they're kind of connecting it to the bloodline and and that story, it's almost like, and I, I'm I, I literally had this thought as you were talking. It almost seems to me like they're almost putting together like a, I'm gonna say a Survivor Series type match where it might be like you know Cody, Seth, Drew, and maybe somebody else that teams up against the Bloodline. Um, so maybe even that match that Cody challenges him to turns into. You know, a three on three or four on four, or something like that. Um, I guess it would have to be a. Th- uh, no, I guess it could be four on four. Um, for some reason, I wasn't counting uh, Jimmy, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, or, or or Rock could say uh, I, the 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 bloodline accepts your challenge, but um, you will take on Solo, or you will take on Jimmy, or you and Seth can take on Solo and Jimmy. I'll be at yeah. ringside, or Rock agrees to the match, but then somehow backs out, or you know, I mean, there's like. Like said, I don't think they're going to tease the match and not deliver it. They're going to deliver it to some degree. But exactly. there are different... Rock can negotiate what he wants his terms to be. And it might not be something that, that WWE is exactly forecasting at the moment. No, exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah. No, so, I, I, I like the fact that, you know, Seth right now is is kind of in Cody's corner. It it It's cool to kind of see the two, you know, baby faces on Raw... 
um, kind of working cohesively together. Like, you know, I think back to like, you know, when Stone Cold and, and The Rock were both big. Ooh, Corbin, what are you? Corbin's barking at something. Um, but um, you know, when like Stone Cold and The Rock, they're both the big baby faces on Raw uh, or in WWE at the time. And uh, come on, but um, sorry. And uh, <laughs> the, the unpredictability of the, exactly the, the canine, the canine uh, producer, and helping you out here. Exactly, um, but um, but yeah, you know, like they they obviously would you know kind of cross paths and things like that. But we didn't ever. I wouldn't say we didn't ever see them team up because we we definitely did. But but a lot of times it just kind of felt like they were crossing paths, and WWE wanted to make them whenever they did kind of uh, you know either either team up or you know building up to one of their wrestlemania matches something like that they wanted it to feel special um you know right now it's, it's just i i feel like it's kind of cool i wouldn't say unique but um it's something we don't see super often where the two you know two big top baby faces on one of the brands kind of are are seemingly on the same page um that may that may change as time goes on, but at least right right now they kind of seem like they're on the same page, and uh, you know they're 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 focusing yeah. on on bigger fish to fry, and that being the bloodline. All right, let's uh, let's pause. Let's introduce the show and give out the phone number and email, and then we'll get to our phone calls and emails. This is Wade Keller, Pro Wrestling Post Show for Monday, February 26, 2024. I'm Wade Keller, the host of the show, the editor, publisher, and founder of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter, the website pwtorch.com, and the host of various podcasts, including these post shows following Raw, Dynamite, SmackDown, and Some Collisions, and also uh, the Wade Keller Podcast, our Blue Logo Show, including the weekly flagship. Tomorrow, Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net joins me. And we welcome your emails if you are listening to this show live or on delay and you want to get in on uh, on contributing topics or questions for the flagship tomorrow, send those uh, emails quickly to wadekellerpodcast at gmail.com, wadekellerpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be recording uh, early Tuesday afternoon. We'll have that show dropped on the blue feed um, on Tuesday, so be on the lookout for that. Search Wade Keller in your podcast app and subscribe to this, the Red Logo Show, and also our Blue Logo Show. Those will both pop up when you search Wade Keller. And while you're at it, subscribe to the PW Torch Daily Cast, the aforementioned show that included the uh, two-hour, roughly two-hour live Saturday morning edition of the uh, uh, Wrestling Night in America pay-per-view PLE post-show with Greg Parks and Brandon LeClaire, an outside correspondent and callers. Um, that is available right now, and I recommend you check it out. Search PW Torch and subscribe to that for free. Different show each day of the week with different themes, different hosts, and uh, I think there'll be more than one show that will become Destination Listening, perhaps all of them, when you sign up. But we're here to talk about Raw, and uh, the other voice you hear on the show is Nate Lindbergh. He is a veteran NXT analyst, both in written format and podcast format, on the aforementioned PW Torch Daily Cast on uh, Tuesday nights. Uh, Nate, welcome. Good to have you here on the Raw Po Show. All right. I've hit veteran status. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it no, just, thank you. The, the, the description just felt earned. All right. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm down with that. It's, <laughs> it's, it's actually funny. I, I said to Kelly the other day on... Um, uh, it I might have been off air. I can't remember. But I'm like, can you believe you've been dealing with me for over four years? And he's like, there's no way. And it feels like, like Kelly's yeah. been complaining about you for at least six. 
I know, right? It's, yeah, it's yeah. Insane. Oh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> but if you'd like to hear Kelly complain about me and and um, uh, PWT talks <laughs> NXT on the on the daily cast uh, is where you can find me, uh, Kelly Wells, Bruce uh, Hazelwood, and I. We uh, we we go live approximately ten. Uh, uh, about 20 minutes after uh, NXT goes off the air, take your calls and emails, very similar format to this show. And uh, we talk NXT. So call in and maybe we'll be that show that on the daily cast that, uh, you know, brings you back. Very good. All right. So if you want to call us live, if you're live streaming the show, by the way, if you're not live streaming the show and you want to, you can find a link to the live stream in my TV reports at pwtorch.com. Um, just go to pwtorch.com, click on the Raw Report, and you'll see the phone number and the link to the live stream. We go live about five minutes after Raw, uh, Dynamite, and SmackDown, and Collision End. You can also find us at wadekellerpostshow.com. Just navigate to the live stream. Um, and uh, you can also call in and just listen. Uh, and then if you want to participate, you push one after calling in. And that phone number is 347-215-8558. That's 347-215-8558. Again, when you call Push 1, if you want to be on the show, uh, Ian in Tennessee is going to be up first, and then uh, Sergio in Connecticut on deck. You can also email us at wadekellerpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll be monitoring the inbox as the show progresses and uh, and uh, bring those into the show also. I think that covers the bases we need to cover, so let's actually uh, shift to our callers and uh, see what they have to say. And certainly we have more to get to, including whatever's going on with Gunther and the IC title and uh, Becky Lynch confronting Rhea Ripley and the Nia Jax attacking Becky, setting up a Becky Nia Jax match next week um, and and uh, and more developments. But first up is Ian, a veteran caller, I'll say. Uh, Ian, welcome to the show. Right. Hey, guys. How you guys doing? Good, good. Wait, I tried to call you last week, but I don't know if my AT&T was down or if, you, if your AT&T was down. I don't know what happened. But um, yeah, our switchboard yeah, had our, our switchboard I, I was down. Uh, switchboard was down last week, so I was happy to see it was back up in time for the Elimination Chamber post show and uh, in tonight's RAW. Um, but anyway, yeah, no, you, you, it was it was a problem with everyone, not just you. Okay, good. So, but anyway, um. When I was watching Chamber, I wasn't too keen on McIntyre winning. I was really intrigued to see how it happened. But as you guys said earlier, I mean, Drew has just been on fire with with his promos and his matches. I mean, I, like I said, I wasn't too keen on him winning because we've seen Drew and Seth before. But I think this time it's means a lot more uh, than it did the last time they fought. I, I don't think people are thinking about anything in the past. They are looking at this, and even McAfee and Cole were talking about it, how this seems like a different Drew. And the circumstances are such where, like, I mean, rematches matter. In, in the fact that people had matches in the past, you know, takes away some novelty. But the fact is, is Drew is just, whoever Drew, whatever Drew has done in the past, this feels like a fresh, elevated Drew. Um, kind of in the same way Cody feels elevated and, and fresh. Um but Drew especially, I mean, I, I'm sort of marveling at what a sort of reinvention without, like, this radical, like, reset. It's We've watched it happen in front of us. And he feels more credible, more main event, more top-top uh, in terms of being a top act, not lost in the mix. He has taken on a stature because of 
not only how he carries himself and what he's done, but some of his lines are so clever and diabolical and he's entertaining in the way that he he uh he expresses himself now um i mean the line about about cm punk and it probably kills him that he's facing seth at wrestlemania and so he knows he's straight edge so he drank twice as much for the both of them and then he laughed um God, there was another. Oh, and then the even better was the line when he said, the doctor said, oh, you got a busted eardrum. You might not make WrestleMania. And Drew's like, who do you think I am, CM Punk? I'm not going to let anything, any injury stop me from making Mania. I mean, he is not only making the Seth match feel important and himself feel important, but he's building up to uh, a, what could be a SummerSlam main event or who knows when and where uh, against Punk and making that a bigger deal by keeping Punk in the conversation at the same time. <laughs> Nate, talk, talk about uh, Drew. Elaborate on your thoughts on him a bit. Yeah, no, I, I, I like actually the way you frame that quite a bit because he it's – I think one of the biggest things for me right now is the, the things that he's saying. Um, you know, not only are they funny and witty, but a lot of times, you know, he comes out with the uh, – and I can't think of a good example off the top of my head, but he comes out with a zinger that has a, you know, a bit of truth to it that, that – you know, sometimes might not be in, in the best light for the face or something like that. Um, you know, and, and, you know, we talk about all the time, they're the best heels always kind of speak. They have a little bit of truth behind what they're talking about. And I, I feel like Drew's done that quite a bit over the past, well, probably a couple few months. Um, but not, you know, and then again, with, with things that he said tonight about CM Punk, um, you know, specifically for the reasons that you, you know, you mentioned he's, he's building um, he's, he's, building to that match at CM Punk. CM Punk's not on TV, but, you know, he's keeping him relevant. Um, not that really anybody needs to keep CM Punk relevant, but you know what I mean? Um, he's keeping, you know, that feud in, in people's minds. And uh, um, and it even probably let CM Punk play off of it on, on social media. I don't think it's happened up to this point. Maybe, maybe it has, um, but it uh, you know, certainly allows for that to happen too. But like you said, with the, the reinvention kind of of, of Drew McIntyre, it, it has kind of been an organic thing. And it, it kind of reminds me a lot of um, uh, Drew, like his, his time as Drew Galloway, both in the Indies, or well, in the Indies, and then when he came back to NXT as Drew McIntyre, um, still kind of portraying the Drew Galloway character from the Indies and TNA and everything. Um, and it was it was kind of a cool reinvention of the, you know of of Drew McIntyre then you know coming from I mean, basically being part of three man band and and a bit of a you know a, a joke on the on the roster going away coming back and then you know he had that it was a drastic reinvention if you hadn't seen any of his stuff you know on the indies or in TNA or anything like that um, but now I feel like we you know. Over the past, what is, I think it's been almost six years now, he's been back in WWE. Um, we've seen a kind of a natural progression for that character. He stalled for a little while, especially as his run as champion. I feel like, you know, and granted it was during the COVID era, no fans and everything, but it was, you know, a lackluster run. Um, but he kind of used that as fuel to, you know, at least in story anyway, use that that kind of lackluster time. Um, to kind of fuel the fire and, and fan the flames for where he's gotten to now, um, and I, I agree. You know, he's he's kind of gotten to that main event stature. He looks great. He's in amazing shape. Um, you know, I like the fact that he's growing a little more chest hair. That it it kind of adds to the heel vibe. Um, 
it's uh so overall i'm 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 really excited about where they go with drew um I'm I'm actually excited for a Drew Seth match at WrestleMania, and you know maybe six eight months ago, if we said that's you know that was kind of where we're going for the main event uh, for Raw, I might have not been super pumped about that. But considering the the progression that Drew's had, I'm uh, I'm really excited to see what happens, and and I think Drew has the potential to dethrone Seth. Uh, you know, I'll throw back to you for follow up. Yeah. But, you know, what Nate was saying was my main point of, you know, the whole, you know, when they were feuding, like what Seth said, like at Crown Jewel, I just didn't see him into the feud. But this time, you know, everything that Drew has said in his promos, um, when he went full heel, he hasn't been wrong. You know, he won the title in an empty, you know, Seth said empty warehouse. You know, there was no fans there. You know, what Drew says is just so accurate. But, I was thinking about it, you know, Seth has to either lose the belt at Mania because he has to go out of surgery. I think that's what I think that's what I remember. And but the problem is, do you think Drew wins and just keeps the belt and has the Drew punk feud to SummerSlam? Or does Drew come up short again and lose and have Priest cash in the briefcase? Uh, Nate, what do you think? Oof, you know, I hadn't really, I keep forgetting about Priest in the briefcase because that's, uh, that's always a caveat that could go into anything, really. Um, I, so I ha- I'd have to kind of, I guess my first impressions, like just my gut instinct for, for that, um, I kind of I, I do feel like it might be time for Seth to lose the title. Um, it, not that it has, he hasn't been a strong champion, and I've, I've enjoyed his championship run, but I mean, it, you know, it's been a little lengthy at this point, um, and it, you know, I, I could see them wanting to potentially switch it up, um, and I feel like a heel Drew would be awesome for that. And then CM Punk comes back. Let's say you know it is a SummerSlam match they're building to. Obviously, we don't know exactly when, but we know it's going to be a pay per view main event, uh, uh, or at least a co main event or something. Um, but let's say it is SummerSlam. So Drew has the title. And with all of the, you know, all of the smack talk he's been doing, um, you know, to CM Punk, I, I think CM Punk comes, you know, could come back um, and then potentially even maybe take the title off of Drew. Um, uh, that would be, I don't know how in favor I am of that. I'm not a huge punk supporter, but I understand his, you know, uh, his, his place and, and um, um, his value to the company. So uh, him winning a title, you know, the world title at like SummerSlam, big, big, uh, you know, big night like that would be a feel good moment for a lot of people, I think. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be down on something like that for sure. But like I said, I'd, I'd have to, I'd have to think about it a little bit more in terms of priest. I don't know where he necessarily fits in. I mean, he's got to cash in at some point, but I, he's been so kind of removed from the main event scene, both, you know, with Roman and with, uh, you know, Seth and Cody and everything that it's hard to, it's hard to even just imagine where he would slot in. It almost feels like they're kind of, you know, wherever they would put it, it would be almost kind of like out of left field or, they'd have to frame it as like he's capitalizing on a moment. Like when, 
you know, maybe uh, right after Seth retains or Drew wins or something. And, you know, he's really down or something like that um, at WrestleMania. Uh, Priest comes down and tries to cash in. Um, I, as much as I love Damian Priest, I don't know if that, if he's going to cash in and be successful. I can't, considering the other options, I don't know if Priest is like, the best option for yeah. a champion. Yeah. yeah, Priest, Priest, I don't think is going to cash in and have any kind of lengthy title reign. And I, I thought they introduced a, a third option, so to speak, regard, as opposed to just the two world titles, which is he stood opposite of Gunther tonight. And Gunther said, oh, you know, you're not, you're not here yeah. to cash in on me. Um, I could see somebody beating Gunther at WrestleMania and then Priest cashing in on that person who just ended a historic title reign setting up priest as an intercontinental champion um with the cash in and then that would perhaps depending on how the cash in happened they might even be able to devise it in a way that protects gunther um yeah i'm just i'm I'm thinking through you know the different scenarios of how money in the banks uh, are cashed in and, and those scenarios if they could use that briefcase to save Gunther from doing a clean job to anyone, whoever ends up facing at Mania. Maybe they're teasing a multi-person match or a tournament or something. Um, so so that option is out there too. But as far as as far as far whether it's going to be Drew or Seth or Punk uh, carrying the title for the mo- most of the summer uh, post-WrestleMania, I think those are three good options. It's I'm punting. I mean, you can have Drew win. I, I guess he'd be my choice. I, you know, he's healthy. Um, you know, Seth isn't. He's just... It's so impressive lately, but um, that doesn't mean that CM Punk doesn't come back and end the reign. If they again, some of it is not just like who, what do they want the outcome of the match to be? Some of it is what are they setting up for next year's WrestleMania, or you know, just later in the year, who do they think they have more opponents for? Who, who, yeah, there, there's just so many factors that, that go into it. But it's you know, Seth's a good option, but Drew is better, and Punk is is right there with Drew. I mean, I don't know if you want Punk lingering on the roster indefinitely without succeeding at a very top level and in that place yeah exactly it. yeah uh in in back to follow-up thoughts from you yeah it, it's a tough situation because you know like you guys say you don't think priest is ready for a world title um i think he i think he'd be a fairly a fairly entertaining intercontinental champion to have you know judgment day with him but uh, protecting Gunther is probably their biggest concern. You don't want to have Gunther lose the belt to um, Priest cashing in. And, you know, as Wade said in the opener, you know, they're throwing a lot of options at Gunther. I don't know who could beat Gunther clean or, you know, have anything happen to beat Gunther and be like, oh, well, that makes sense. You know, Gable was my original option months ago when they had that feud. And Gable's just kind of lost steam, in my opinion. Yeah, Gable is not. Yeah, he's not. I mean, he can be in the mix for whatever story they're telling now, but he's not somebody you you want ending uh, Gunther's reign at all. Um, Anything you want to add to that, Nate? Um, Yeah, no, not really. I don't don't have anything to add. Uh, Ian, anything else you want to bring up? I mean, unless, you know, unless, as Wade said, they make it a multi-man match, I don't know if they would go back right. to the, I think they did it two years in a row, like they did like the six-man uh, intercontinental ladder match back in like 2015, 2016. 
But um, my, my final point is um, Rhea Becky, do you, um, where do you see that going? I personally don't think Becky needs a belt anymore. I mean, they kind of buried Stratton when, with Becky beating her back in NXT. I mean, I, do you think Rhea retains that mania? Do you think, uh, where do you think that's going? Boy. Um, I mean, right now, the, it's, it's interesting because, you know, the crowd is really wanting to cheer Rhea. They want to get to the point where they can just have permission to cheer her and she's taking on heels. Becky, the fans are not, you know, Becky's had a story arc. She turned heel. You know, the idea was, well, as a heel, she can help put some other people over and elevate other people and it'll be more fun for her. And there was obviously a pushback against that. She hasn't re- really regained her momentum since then i think it was it was uh brandon talking about that um maybe it was kelly but anyway i was listening to all the shows this weekend on elimination chamber on the torch side of things and and then you have um the issue of her just going away and then coming back and talking about being a mom and talking about being married to seth and sometimes that changes uh the fan base's perception of somebody where oh they're at a different place in their life and i i look at them differently now and i want to get behind somebody new and exciting and novel and becky's fighting that and she's hasn't like done anything wrong in terms of match quality or or saying wrong things this isn't like a cody and AEW type thing where you can just see him just you know stepping on himself over and over with some bad judgment um that really hasn't been the case so do you want to have becky beat Rhea and have the fans be upset with her um do you give Rhea a strong win and then tell a different story with becky who's fighting from underneath nate what do you think what are the options I, honestly i think that's the best way to go because for for a lot of the reasons that you outlined i mean and tonight it was pretty obvious um you know it really stood out to me the reaction that becky got opposite Rhea. um it it um it it, it wasn't as as it wasn't the man type of a, a reaction as as we had once heard. Um, so I, I think kind of like if, I mean, I'm playing obviously playing armchair booker here, but um, you know, if it was me, like I, I would probably have Rhea stayed dominant, go over um, Becky, probably have, you know, Becky put on, you know, a, an amazing fight and, you know, Rhea still has... I'd say probably wins dominantly, but you know, at the at the very end is where she, the dominance kind of puts uh, it comes out. So Becky, Becky still looks strong, and then kind of tell a different story with Becky. Maybe a redemption story. Maybe you put her on SmackDown. Although I don't know how that would work with you know her and Seth and the baby and all of that. But um, you know, at least business wise, maybe you put her on SmackDown and then she's you know feuding with whoever the women's champion is over there. Um, but I, I I think that would be more more well received from the fans because yeah, right now I mean everybody wants to get behind Rhea. I mean you know, and I, I think I've said it before on this show. Um, yeah, Rhea. I mean, she's she's broken into the mainstream. You know, I, I see memes about her uh, everywhere, and not in just wrestling places. Uh, she shows up in like my Facebook feed and on Reddit and in places where I don't expect to see her. Um, so I think keeping her dominant right now, every that's what people want to see. Unless you drastically change course with Becky and like she beats Rhea and becomes a heel and turns on the fans and i mean it's a real real drastic change from the last time she turned heel i i i just don't see that story playing out nearly as well as 
keeping Rhea a dominant champion and um, kind of continuing to ride the, the Rhea Ripley wave um, and then kind of telling, you know, perhaps like a redemption type story. It kind of almost akin to what Cody's been going through the last two years, but probably a little bit more condensed uh, for Becky. All right, uh, Ian, any quick closing words for you before we move on to other callers? No, I mean, you know, Raw have really has been you can't miss it or something big will happen when you miss it. But I will let you guys get to the callers. It's always great talking to you guys. Always great hearing from you, Ian. Thanks. Likewise. All right, our number is 347-215-8558. Give us a call if you're live streaming the show and push one if you want to be part of the conversation tonight. We'll go to uh, Sergio in Connecticut next, and then Steve in Cleveland is up after that. Sergio, thanks for calling. Thanks for holding. What is on your mind about Raw tonight? Uh, hey guys, um, hopefully you guys enjoyed Raw. I did the parts that I saw. I saw parts of it, but the thing I want to talk about is the Seth and Drew promo and how much I loved it. I know yeah. you guys touched on it, but I want to go a little more in depth on Seth part of it because um, Drew is doing a great job. But Seth, I feel like I I I, I haven't been able to get invested in Seth in a while. I can't even tell you how long because of like. He just seems so inauthentic, like the laugh and the close and the over-the-top personality. It just seems like such a put-on. And I feel like a lot of his popularity comes because, you know, he's a good wrestler. He's a legacy star at this point, And his song is really, really over. So fans like to chant the song. But with this whole Rock, Roman, Cody, Seth thing, I feel like it's really like lighting a fire under Seth. And for the first time, making me interested in Seth in a while. And I know that sounds funny because, like, at the press conference, for example, I remember everybody was saying, like, oh, why was Seth even there? He was buried. His title didn't seem like nothing. He was just off to the side. And he was off to the side for most of it. But when The Rock slapped Cody <laughs> and everybody held Cody back, Seth was the one that got into The Rock's face. And he was yelling at The Rock, and they were swearing back and forth at each other. And it was really intense, and it was like, oh, look at that intensity by Seth. Like that, I'm I'm glad that he was there, and he didn't just let the bloodline just roll over um, the press conference because Seth doesn't like the press conference. I mean, so Seth doesn't like the bloodline because he talks about it all the time. But um, I really just like that. It feels like he has something that he's invested in. It feels like taking down the bloodline really does mean everything to him. And that's the first authentic thing I feel like, I don't know, it, it, it just makes Seth just way more interesting to me. And I, I just wonder if you guys agree with that, if you feel like this is the first thing in a while Seth has really had to like sink his teeth into. One of the things I like about a wrestler is when they make other wrestlers they're working with feel m- more interesting, more relevant. And Drew is doing that. For Seth, and, and there's a lot going on. I mean, Seth is interacting with Cody, too, and, and the bloodline. It, it, it's a lot of things going on. But having the, the, the CM Punk situation really derail what Seth's idea of a, of a big match at WrestleMania could be and you know, being willing to put aside his legit concerns about Punk um, historically and see this as a, really cha- as a chance to have a really big match that would be compete with Rock versus Cody, excuse me, Reigns versus Cody as, as the biggest match at Mania and to have that taken away, but then to end up in this situation, I, I'm sure he'd probably rather be talking, you know, doing the, whatever he had planned with Punk, um, you know, with a mix of meta stuff and backstage stuff and all that. But 
standing there with Drew tonight, Nate, I, I was more interested in what Seth had to say. And I like the idea of, hey, sometimes you take chances in order to achieve a goal. And I'm willing to take that chance. And and uh, he, he said it in a believable way that didn't feel, ha-ha, you know, all in character. And so, yeah, um, I, I, I'm with Sergio. I think he's a more interesting person right now. What do you think? Uh, 100%. I, I've, I've, I've gone on record, I think, either uh, probably on this show and saying, you know, I'm, I, I like Seth Rollins, but in, in this character, this iteration of Seth Rollins, I'm, I, my biggest thing with him is like, what crazy outfit is he going to be wearing? And that's kind of like, it's kind of it, you know, for, for a lot of the reasons Sergio outlined is like, you know, a lot of things just seem over the top. They don't seem like they're, um, you know, super authentic. The, the laugh, especially like, I, I don't know how that got over it. It, to me, it drives me nuts. Um, so I've, I'm kind of in a very similar boat. Like I, I like Seth Rollins, you know, the wrestler and um, yeah, his body of work and, and, you know, um, uh, Colby Lopez, the person, but uh, this particular incarnation of him has been eh. So maybe that, that's also kind of part of the reason I feel like, you know, his it, it probably I'm in the minority. I'm, I'm sure that, you know, his run has almost been a little lackluster to me because I'm not necessarily behind him. But that said, past few weeks, even uh, kind of even the uh, uh, going back to the press conference in, in Las Vegas, um, I feel like he has had a bit more intensity behind him, a little bit more authenticity behind him um, in wanting to take out the bloodline, very similar to, you know, with Cody, um, you know, and kind of how we ended the show tonight. Um, it It's made me more invested in Seth than I have been in whew, quite some time, um, probably before the whole Messiah thing. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think um, I think both he and Drew are doing a, a damn good job, um, you know, not only telling the story, but, you know, like Wade said, Drew's doing a great job at also elevating, um, you know, the person opposite him in the ring here, that being Seth. So, um, yeah, thumbs up for me. All right, uh, Sergio, back to you. Um, yeah, see, I'm I, I'm glad you guys agree because I know I've heard you from you guys, both you guys before saying like Seth's over the top parts of his character isn't your favorite thing in the world. But I know you guys gave Drew his flowers already today, but I got to throw <laughs> a few flowers too because man, Drew is just like he's just clicking on all cylinders right now. It's insane. Like I love how nuanced his character is. I love that he's not like he he like you said we've seen the progression, so he's not like this over the top sadistic heel just doing bad things just because for bad things sake he seems like a guy who's singularly obsessed with getting his moment at Wrestlemania in front of a crowd and he's willing to do almost anything to get to it and I just think he's bringing the best like the best out of Seth really but like he's just been uh, I can't speak highly enough about Drew but we already talked about you guys already talked about Drew and I, I just wanted to pivot over to Cody real quick um and Cody, I've been saying this for a while because, like, at the press conference, too, I told my cousin, because my cousin is the only wrestling fan I know, um, he said, uh, I said, man, it's so funny. You got The Rock and Roman Reigns standing there, and they look so cool. And, like, they're, you know, they just, they're just jacked. And Roman Reigns is, like, what I would like to look like as a human being. And The Rock looks like he was made in a factory. And then you got Cody there who's just kind of, like, 
the skinny guy in a suit with a lame neck tattoo and the bleach blonde hair. But Cody, I'm behind Cody. I've been behind Cody since for such a long time for um for him finishing the story. And I think it's just because I connect to him. I feel like I connect to his story. I feel like I connect to that he wants to be the world champion. Like, it feels like, I know some people knock that about Cody and like, oh, he only wants to be the world champion. He only wants to be the world champion. But isn't that what you're supposed to want? You're supposed to want to be the world champion. And Roman is the guy. And Cody wants to take him down because he was wrong, you know? It's not like he lost clean last year. He lost, he was wrong, and he never forgot about it. That always bothered me about Roman's other challengers that, they get cheated out the title and then they just kind of let it go, you know? And I know it's because they're booked that way, but I like that Cody has been always bringing up Roman, always bringing up like, Hey, I still have this other thing that, you know, I might be facing Brock. I might be facing Nakamura, but I still have this bigger goal. I want to get back there and that he's getting there. And I was wondering if, when's the last time you guys ever remember? Cause I, I was trying to think and I couldn't think of one. Cody feels like a legit main eventer. Cody feels like somebody, who you can build a show around. Cody feels like you can put him at the marquee of a house show and he'll draw, he gets the reaction. And Cody's never been a world champion. Cody's never held the WWE world title, AEW title. He's just never been a world champion. When's the last time you guys remember somebody on the rise getting over to such a degree and feels like a main eventer without even winning the world title yet? Yeah, I don't, I don't even know. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, he he has, and and part of it is delaying the gratification. That's what's part of what's made him feel like a big star. Not that it could work the other way, um, and there's not risk in either direction that you go. But the the chase and, and the denial is is part of him working. Um, go ahead, Nate. Yeah, I mean, I like off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody that's had kind of a run like Cody has in his return to WWE. Um, you know. It, He's he's done a great job, obviously, and and you know, uh, with um, you know telling the story and getting the fans behind him and and all of that. But um, you know, in terms of like who else would have been there um, or or had like a similar rise, it's 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 kind of hard. It's hard to to think of it, uh, offhand. But um, but it, it, you know, as 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 I said earlier, um, you know, I think uh, to start the show. You know, WWE has this authentic, organic babyface right now, which is what they they always want. They always want that guy. You know, whether it was John Cena, Roman Reigns, Stone Cold, Hulk Hogan, um, they always want that guy they can build around. And right now, they have plenty of guys that they can build around. But Cody is is unique in the fact that the fans. Uh, are so behind him and i think you know to to sergio's point i think that they do relate to him um you know partly i think it's you know being dusty's kid is is part of it but you know kind of especially for longtime fans you're watching him as stardust was you know i thought stardust was kind of entertaining at some points i'll completely admit (laughs) but it was a guilty pleasure a little bit yeah it was. I even had his his music as my ringtone for a while. I'll I'll throw that out there, um, but uh, um, but yeah, you know, watching him go from this mid Carter Stardust that was kind of just a lame knockoff of Gold Dust, and then say, so you know what, screw this. I left, took his chances, went off, did his thing. AEW, we all know the story. 
it's it's really cool it's really relatable it's and um you know we kind of all like even even with all his success i still think of cody as blue collar um and and i i don't know if that's because i associate dusty as blue collar but in my head that's what i think of and it that is a lot more relatable than you know somebody like the rock going out in the $500 shirts and things like that and you know talking down to the crowd um so i think for the first time in a long 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 time they have this that one baby face they that's organic people like him and if they keep telling the telling the right story um i think they could build around him for for quite some time all right uh sergio back to you yeah i'm just i I just feel like cody connects man like cody has always kind of been um one of my guys like (laughs) a funny story the second wrestling show i ever went to live i had a dashing Cody Rhodes sign and you can see me in the background at one point Cody Rhodes is on the ropes and you just see me holding up a dashing Cody Rhodes sign like I still look up that YouTube clip every once in a while just be like hey there's Cody and he's kind of looking in my direction like 12 years ago or That's however awesome. long uh, <laughs> that was but, but um, I also wanted um, the last question I was wondering if I could just kind of do a quick little pivot to an NXT main roster question if that's okay with Nate up here yeah. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Let's yeah. do it. Um, now, uh, I think it's pretty evident that uh, Carmelo Hayes is uh, not long for NXT anymore. To me, it seems like this is like his last run. Like he's uh, he had the whole he finally turned on Trick, and you know he's gonna try to get the world title. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe Trick interferes. But obviously, this is the rubber is gonna meet the road in a match between. Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams, hopefully one on one, and I mean I like the triple threat idea, but hopefully one on one because you know those guys deserve a one on one match to end their feud. But um, I was wondering, like, with Trick Williams when he came up the other uh, a few months ago to or a month ago, however long it was, to help Carmelo Hayes when he was getting attacked, and the fans reacted really, really strongly to him. Um, I remember there was reports that was, it caught people off guard backstage in WWE, and I remember the whole crowd was chanting "Whoop that trick" and stuff like that. I was wondering if you guys see a, a scenario where um, Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams have their match, their blow-off match in NXT, and Carmelo Hayes like cheats Trick Williams out of the win, like he cheats, low blow, whatever, holds the rope, whatever. Carmelo Hayes says, "That's it, I'm done, it's over." I beat Trick, he goes up to, like, let's say SmackDown, for example, like, and he said, I'm done with Trick Williams, I'm done with NXT, it's over. And he thinks he's gone, but and then, like, um, maybe, like, Nick Aldis, whichever one he signs for, Nick Aldis or um, the Raw General Manager, whose name is Adam Pierce, comes out and says, all right, Carmelo, we're signing you, but your first opponent is Raw or SmackDown's other new signing, and Trick Williams comes out. Do you guys think that's any kind of possibility that number one, a feud that's really just been featured on NXT, except for a couple of snippets here and there, can carry to the main roster like that. And do you think that's even a thing, or should Trick just stay down in NXT and keep seasoning, maybe get a title run and the whole nine? So I am, I like 
there's a I like that idea. Don't get me wrong. I, I absolutely like that idea. Like I, I was actually almost kind of getting some goosebumps there going, oh, that'd be so cool. Like Trick, uh, Mello thinks he's done with Trick and then Trick's like, no, 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 I'm here too. Um, but I think the more re- realistic scenario um, is, and, and I, I think we are going to be getting Trick versus Mello at Stand and Deliver, um, potentially for the NX title because um, I think it's uh, uh mellow uh yeah mellow um is it looks like he's going to be challenging Ilya dragon off for the nxt title i could potentially see him winning it and then dropping it to trick at stand and deliver as as kind of his swan song and then quietly going up to to the main roster i don't think it's time for trick to go to the main roster yet um not that i don't think he's ready i think you could pluck trick right out of nxt put him on the main roster and i think he'd he'd just he'd fit in and and he'd have no issue um but right now trick is red hot down in nxt you know everybody like you said chant and whoop that trick and and whatnot um i think right now it would be behoove him to like be the like be an nxt champion um he only held the north american title for like three days four days something like that so to actually have a meaningful run with the title as kind of a top guy down there and build him up to the level that Carmelo Hayes is at because Carmelo Hayes is up there. Trick's just a notch below him. And I, I think Trick has the, um, I, I think Trick could, uh, could potentially reach kind of a similar level, um, you know, as, as Mello. So I think you kind of build him up over the next year in NXT and then bring him up and then potentially revisit, revisit the feud with, uh, with Trick and Mello. Um, that's, that's kind of the scenario that we've been talking about on PWT Talks NXT for the past few weeks. Um, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pretty confident at this point we're going to be getting our singles Trick versus Mello at Stand and Deliver. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Cool, Sergio. You happy? <laughs> Some NXT talk, uh, although it's it's soon to be I'll, main roster talk. It already uh, is in a way. So yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm I'm happy because I, I uh, quick personal story and I'll let you guys go. Um, I met Trick Williams um, on my honeymoon. Um, he was at the hotel I was staying at with my wife, and I I walked by him and I was like, "Whoa, was that Trick Williams?" And then like a few minutes later, I walked by him again, and it was and. We are face to face. I'm a pretty tall guy. He's about six three, six four, but I'm six seven. So we were face to face, and we made eye contact. And I said, "Hey, you're Trick Williams." This was like two days after he lost the North American title back to Dom. And man, he was like one of the coolest guys I've ever met. He gave, he stopped for a second. He gave me like a two three minute conversation. Asked what I was doing there. Asked about my honeymoon and stuff like that. And then we went our way with a picture. He was like one of the coolest dudes ever. So I'm rooting for Trick Williams, not only because, you know, he's a great character and he's over it, but also personal reasons. And uh, so, yeah, I'll leave you guys with that and have a good night. Thanks for taking my call. Excellent. Thanks, Sergio. All right. Uh, our number is 347-215-8558. If you call, push one. We'll go to Steve in Cleveland next. Steve, thanks for holding. It's been a while. What's on your mind about Raw tonight? Good evening, gentlemen. How are you? Good. Thanks for calling. What's in your mind? Yep. Um, before one quick thing, I have kind of a big, big picture question. I don't know if I should just say that up front or just wait till after a couple of raw bullet points. What, what do you guys prefer? Ah, uh, whatever. You, you, you take the lead. We're, we'll be good either way. Okay. Let me just. Here's here's the big thanks. Here's <laughs> here's the big picture question. So I don't forget. To get to a certain age, you know. I, I didn't just go to my first wrestling match 12 years ago. 
So, um, when they signed, WWE signed the big, big contract with Fox, billions of dollars, and SmackDown kind of became the basically the showcase network show. And I'm not saying all your biggest stars like Roman Reigns ended up there, but it seemed like a lot of the resources tended to, in my opinion, lean towards there, and sometimes Raw kind of get left with the, with the spoilings, okay? Do you think that as it's now going to be moving pretty soon over to USA, an, an arguably less prestigious spot, and you've gotten billions of dollars from Netflix, from Raw, for Raw, do you think that will shift back to Raw being more of the flagship at that point? I, I think so. Um, I've talked about how I think there's a possibility that they just combine the rosters and get away, go go get rid of the the whole uh, separate brand thing. Even though they have they're doing it as I would say as well as they ever have, but having separate GMs um, kind of competing to sign talent, it seems like they're more invested in it. They have two world titles, which you know they could merge if they wanted to. But there's going to be a lot of people who have cable and don't have Netflix, and people who have Netflix who don't have cable. Um, and and so if you ex- if you only have Cody most of the year on one show and only Roman on another show and Drew only on one show and and Ray Ripley only on one show and on and on I mean you could be excluding a big part of your audience from seeing them. It's one thing when you're on Fox and USA, the top cable network, or you know one of them, and and uh, a broadcast network. Now it's going to be different. So it's hard. We don't know how long Raw is going to be. Um, there, there's there's a number of unanswered questions. We know USA Network is a good home for SmackDown, but it's not Fox. And Netflix and USA seem equal in terms of prestige, where Fox was clearly a step above USA in terms of its availability and prestige. However, USA is on the downturn. They're going to have fewer people watching unless things change dramatically in terms of them becoming more streamable and uh, if, if the, the uh, cord cutters uh, subside. But Netflix is... Is you know growing. I mean, streaming services are growing, and cable is 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 not. So they have some tough choices to make. My 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 short answer to your question, Steve, is I think they're just going to end up being equal. Um, I don't think we're going to be able to tell until, mm-hmm. and we're not going to get the ratings like we you know like we typically did. Um, you know, Nielsen will have certain ways of tracking things. So and they're trying to advance, but um. It's going to be different in terms of tracking, you know, how many people are watching Raw versus what we've had with cable ratings for decades and, and broadcast ratings. So that'll be interesting. But unless there's a real big, big difference in who they're reaching, um, I don't think the I don't think there'll be a dominant show. Netflix will reach a typically on average younger audience because streamers tend to be younger and people who are um, have cable and don't stream or you know are sticking to cable tend to be older. So WWE might. Just program in that way, and I don't know how that manifests in terms of the on-air product, but that that's something that'll be that's a little different than than broadcast and uh, in uh, Fox versus USA. Uh, Nate, have you given thought to that? Do you have theories? Do you have a preference? Do you think that they should WWE should go a certain direction, make Netflix a dominant show, or stick with the the, the old reliable USA and make sure that that doesn't feel like it's a secondary show? It's going to be weird to see SmackDown on USA. That's just all, that, that's weird. But um, uh, yeah, like I I haven't really given it a whole heck of a lot of thought to be honest. Um, but my my gut instinct was kind of similar to what you had outlined. Um, you a lot more eloquently and and with uh, with some data to back it up. But you know, I, I kind of feel like it would make sense to keep. Uh, 
USA kind of the more dominant show. But at the same time, I don't know. Like, there's there's also part of me that's saying, like, that, that kind of feels like it might be, like you were saying, kind of try to keep them equal. There's I, I, I'm not a big proponent of them blending the rosters again. I don't mind them doing what they're doing now and kind of there's some crossover between the rosters and, and things. So I think they're they're telling stories, compelling stories, and 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 they're still able to give plenty of people time on TV because because you know that's kind of one of the things that that happens when you start to blend the rosters. You know, people on the you know kind of the uh, lower down the card um, don't have as much TV time, and I mean they have a massive roster right now. We've got a big roster down in NXT. You know that winds up getting called up. So I I would personally like to see them stick with separate rosters um and uh i don't know i i i think if i if i had to choose i think i'm gonna say that they're probably gonna wind up keeping the shows like somewhat equal we may we may feel like one show over the other gets a little preferential treatment here and there but um but i think that that kind of makes i think that probably makes the most sense Uh, Steve, back, back to you. Okay, I um, didn't want to b- b- blurb in for once. I do have to say <laughs> this about tonight's show. A couple things real briefly. First of all, man, this was a physical, physical episode. I mean, you saw Vince with his back cut, bleeding from his back, of course, while he's eating the pin, as per usual. Then you see Sammy full of welts while he's talking to Gunther, who, of course, or, or he wasn't really talking. He was just getting kind of smirked at by Gunther. And uh, I, I just kind of liked the way they were going with some of the match work. And I'm um, speaking of Gunther's situation. I've already uh, outlined previously how I'm kind of a Gunther mark. But I'm hoping men or men that they don't go to this um, uh, fatal four-way or three-way but I really see that's kind of where they're going to go for this IC title. And I hope he doesn't lose his strap that way, even though I know it can sometimes be a way to keep it, uh, keep him strong. But, you know, they, they stuck Gable in the middle who has zero shots. They put Sammy in there. And then you had uh, the Judgment Day come up there. And now you're going to put uh, you know, Priest there, maybe, maybe not. But frankly, I thought it was very cool that they were almost maybe implying a little bit, two things. One, you don't have to cash, you know, the money in the bank is for a title. It doesn't have to be the necessarily a quote world title. Number two, you ask me, I wouldn't mind seeing a match where you're playing for all the gold. You know, okay, here we are. We're the we're Imperium. We're going to put up, we're going to give up the, the IC, put up the IC, and you're going to put up the, the tag belts and whoever wins this match, you know, they're going to take it all. And I, again, I just hope it's not a, it's not a fatal four way. Cause to me, that just gets to be a bit cheesy. Uh, Nate, you want to comment on that? I'm with you where I hope it's not a fatal four way or even a triple threat. I'm not a, a huge proponent of multi-man matches and every scenario. It depends, I guess. But um, I, I feel like, 
for whenever Gunther does lose the title, it, it should be in a singles match. Not that I, I think he's necessarily going to lose it at WrestleMania. As far as I'm concerned, Gunther can hold the title till the day he retires. Um, but um, solo. Yeah, solo. Yeah, I could I could definitely see solo, um, you know, dethroning him at some point. Um, yeah, considering the way he's been built up and, and kind of positioned. Um Damien Priest does also kind of seem like a, a credible, um, a credible person to me as well. I mean, like you said, you know, and, and I think we had mentioned it earlier in the night, you know, I mean, he could potentially cash in money in the bank. Um, you know, I, I don't, I have, we see, I don't know if we've seen a money in the bank cash in for a lower card title. I know we have in NXT, the breakout right. tournament contracts have been cashed in for, um, the North American title and, uh, Roxanne Perez, Decided to cash hers in for a tag title shot with Cora Jade once, which was really bizarre. Uh, but um, so it's 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 certainly in the realm of possibility that you know um, Priest cashes in on on Gunther. Um, where they go WrestleMania though, I, I'm not sure at this point. Like there's there is part of me that does like a Sammy Gunther. Uh, you know, match. I know. I know you and Zach were talking about it last week, um, and I don't think either one of you were super high on on him dethroning Gunther. I'm a little higher on it, um, partly because of a huge Sammy guy, but um, uh, I, I feel like where just where he was where he was positioned last year, um, you know, he has fallen a little bit from grace. Uh, obviously, you know, not positioned with the bloodline and doing a whole bunch of different things this year. Um, but I feel like if he could kind of maybe tap into the story he was telling last year, um, and, and he could, I mean, he's, he's awesome on the mic, um, and kind of tell some story that's compelling to, to finally dethrone Gunther. I'd be, I'd be cool with that too. Um, but, um, but yeah, what, whatever, whatever match that they do wind up going with, with for Gunther at WrestleMania, I, I am hoping it's a singles. Um, and if it's not a singles, I don't want to see Gunther lose the title. When he does lose it, I really just want to see it in a straight up wrestling match. That's the match that Gunther like should thrive in, considering you know, uh, you know ring general and all of that. So to see him lose in you know the match that he should be able to win, um, I, th- I think that should be. Uh, yeah, that should be the the the, the match type once uh, once that time comes around. All right, uh, Steve. Anything else you want to bring up? Uh, last two things. Number one, I got to tell you guys this uh, this this experience that I'm getting where the man is coming out and I'm almost yawning over what she's got to say. <laughs> and oh, you no. kind of implied it earlier, Wade. Yeah, it's it's maybe. I mean, I'm not going to say her courses run out. Because I hated the heel uh, version of Becky with the sunglasses, which is dopey. But when she came out, her next to mommy, as we were, as it were, if you didn't know anything about who was, had the bigger resume, and clearly we know who does, you would you would have guessed the one with all the goth makeup was the one who's the hall, the future Hall of Fame, or at least guaranteed Hall of Famer, and the other one had been uh, with the company less than five years or six years. But I, I just, something's got to be done to freshen her up a little bit because you know, maybe just have her take a massive beatdown from Tiffany Stratton or something and just go from there. But boy, I just, I was like, wow, can she just shut up so Rhea can talk a little bit? <laughs> I couldn't believe I 
saw Maybe, myself saying that. Can you put your finger on what's going on with, with Becky and and what's you know drawing comments even like like Steve is saying here? No, so I don't know if I can necessarily a hundred percent put my finger on it, but I definitely feel it. Um, you know, she doesn't. Uh, she doesn't feel nearly as important as as she did at one point. Um, I think you know. I, I, I you know you pointed out earlier. You know she was talking about you know kind of uh, at one point you know going away, becoming a mother, and that's kind of been part of her story. That may look uh, a little bit. It's kind of superhero light as you think of, of some wrestlers and um so that that could be part of it um but there's also the fact that she's she's done everything for the most part i mean you know, there's obviously a few things that i think she could do you know I, I don't think she's won a rumble yet and uh or has she i don't know but I'm, I'm sure there's still things that she hasn't done but you know in terms of winning titles and and she's constantly in the main event scene i'm i'm kind of just wondering if people are starting to tire of her in that particular role um it's almost one of those things where uh, it, it might behoove them to like almost write her off tv for a couple months and then have her come back in you know some sort of a heroic fashion um you know, to a massive pop or something to try and reinvigorate her but um but yeah i i definitely feel it it, it I said earlier tonight just her reaction the reaction from the crowd um you know when she was opposite ripley you know the, the crowd was solidly behind ripley the heel and you know you're hearing a lot of boos for becky and and you know kind of fleeting cheers in the background so yeah, there's there's definitely something there, um, and like I said, I can't quite put my finger on what it is either, but um, but I think a lot of those you know the things that I, I, I outlined kind of play a part in it. All right, uh, Steve, anything else you want to bring up? Only one last thing, and and I the one thing that I find challenging but also fun uh, when I'm on hold is you hear what other people have to say, and you feel like, oh yeah, that's a great idea, and what do you think? <laughs> Just got to throw this out there. I do love the way they're playing the long game with uh, with Matt and Tyra. I mean, when he came out there and sat down in the in you know that Indian position, and somebody I don't know if anybody mentioned that yet. Clearly, that wasn't by accident when he sat down like that, like yeah. a la Punk with the pipe bomb. Yeah, and I yep. thought it was great. Currently, he is the hardest working man on this. I mean, the word we use on the east side of Cleveland is schwitzing right? Sweating. He was working, I mean, schwitzing in that elimination chamber match. And here he is working the mic and they're taking the long game with this punk thing. Cause clearly it's not going to be within the next three, four, five months, but it's coming. And it's good to know that there is hopefully from what I can see some real thought going in and some of the writing, probably no surprise. That isn't just like, where can we get a pop today? Or where can we pop a number this week? maybe five, six, seven months from now, that's how you should be looking at these uh, writing scenarios. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, good to hear from you again, Steve. I know it's been a while. Uh, Nate, do you want to respond to that at all before we move on? The the only thing that I want to say that, that we hadn't mentioned is, is I, I love all of the little, little, little details that um, 
uh, that Drew's doing as well. Like when he was, uh, they, they showed him entering the arena tonight, and as he's pulling his bag behind him, you could see the the uh, CM Punk uh, graveyard shirt that he yeah. had made up, like just draped over the the, <laughs> the handle of his uh, of his suitcase. You know, so just those just the little things like that that he's oh, doing wow. to keep yep. to keep that alive. So so yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of what they're doing right now with them. Uh, uh, Paul, good uh, good comments, good topic. Great night. Yeah, you too. Good to hear from you again. Take care. All right. Uh, let's uh, jump to uh, email or two or three here. And uh, let's see. We'll go with uh, JB first here. Um, he says, uh, JB from Detroit, I love Rhea and everything she is doing. But if I had one critique, it would be that she's a bit too over-reliant on the catchphrase, Mommy is always on top. I swear that between her and the announcers, it was said five or six times tonight. So, yeah, she she couldn't resist after being down under, making a reference to still always being on top. Um, Nate, I mean, obviously there's, you know, a little, you know, it, it, it plays into her relationship with Dominic and what they were sort of implying with a wink and a nod for fun. And she's stuck with it. The crowd's still reacting to it. Does it have a chance to seem too cliche or to come across as JB called it a crutch? I maybe at some point, but I don't think that's now or or even in the foreseeable future for me. Um, I I love it. I, I I especially when she says it, it it's usually in a good context. Um, sometimes, yeah, it does seem maybe a little cheesy or forced or whatever, but it's it's still getting a reaction from the crowd, um, uh, in in a in a solid one at that. So. I think when we start to see that reaction start to fade, um, then you know maybe move on from that catchphrase. But but for now, um, I I say I say lean into it. I mean you know WWE's always always been ones to, you know to, to try and brand things you know from down from catchphrases to you know tag team names, wrestling names, you know whatever. So. Yeah, if it if it's gonna sell merch and it's gonna pop people, uh, I yeah, I, I I say lean into it. All right, uh, JB also brings up The Rock must be truly invested in WWE right now with the announcement that he'll be on the next three SmackDowns. His schedule must have significantly opened to make this possible. Yeah, I mean, the 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 pushback of Rock. The perception being that Rock big shotted the Cody Reigns match away from Cody worked against him and it hurt his brand with an audience that is very important to him. No matter how big a star and how rich and how many opportunities he has and how many places he could go and never step foot in WWE, I think it, it's genuinely important to him. And I think finding a way to look like he's not just showing up for a cup of coffee, but here to perform. And I and I do think he genuinely loves a live performance. Um, it just is a different feeling when you have that whole live crowd cheering for you and you're just this rock star surrounded by fans whether they're cheering or booing you and whether they're doing what you want them to it's still a rush and so I think he's enjoying that and I also think he feels a level of responsibility as part of TKO now to make this work um and part of making it work is seeming like he is not all in because no one believes he's going to be you know full-time guys in his 50s but for the WrestleMania journey and the story that's being told, don't be absentee. And 
So I think it's a combination of, of all of those things. Certainly it's, it's nothing he's required to do or desperate to do. He's not showing up at all these things if he doesn't want to. He could certainly have negotiated his way out of making many appearances if he didn't want to. Uh, Nate, is this going to win some people over um, to, to on sort of that, that meta sense of, of appreciating and respecting The Rock if ultimately The Rock's goal is to win back the fans' cheers once you know we get past the resentment they felt for a short span of days that he took something from Cody. I, I think so. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I can't see people hating the rock like indefinitely or, or, or for, for a long period of time. Um, you know, he's, he's always been, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't say always kind of sometimes a, a bit of a controversial figure uh, or polarizing, I guess a better word um, for, for some people, but, uh, I mean, I, I he's so damn entertaining. I, I can't see him, you know, uh, kind of getting that backlash from the crowd. Um, you know, I think once once everything with WrestleMania blows over, if he continues to be, you know, uh, a, a mainstay on TV, um, you know, obviously not full time, but you know, showing up from time to time, maybe as an authority figure. Um, you, know, they have already kind of teased, you know, that that authority. Um, a power struggle between Triple H and, and The Rock. So, I mean, that's always something that they can go back to um, if they need to have The Rock on, you know, uh, an excuse to have The Rock on TV. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, once this whole angle with with Cody and, and the bloodline starts to subside, um, I could even see, like, The Rock or either The Rock turning on the bloodline, the bloodline turning on The Rock uh, to potentially build to that, rock roman match because i i think that's probably still gonna happen um mm-hmm. i feel like that's it's too big of a match to to not go to um as long as the rock's healthy and you know roman's healthy and and the rock schedule works and all of that um but uh but yeah i i like i said i i, I can't see the rock being uh a a a real life heel, if you will, um, you know, for, for much, much longer. All right. Uh, he says, has the new day versus Imperium really been an incredible two year rivalry? I feel as though the way their match was framed tonight was a bit of hyperbole. And this is kind of a broader topic too, Nate, about what WWE is doing on, on Raw and SmackDown post Kevin Dunn with more, uh, video packages. We're seeing some different camera angles. We're seeing the outside of arenas more. We're seeing the the wrestlers approaching uh, in the afternoon. And there's a lot of cool things I like about it. Are they going too heavy with video packages? Maybe it's not more than it used to be on average. Maybe that just you know a little bit here and there feels that way. Uh, but it, they do feel a little bit different um, that, than they did just you know last year. Um, I, I don't know. If, yeah, I'm, I, but I can't put my finger on it. But the the New Day Imperium. Video package is an example of it where they're they're putting like extra effort into setting the stage and trying to make a match feel really important beyond the normal uh, promos and just the announcers hyping it. Um, so talk, talk specifically about New Day Imperium and that feud, but also about the video package tonight and, and the use of video packages lately and how you feel about them. Yeah, so I I am I was also one going. Wow, was, has it really been two years that that feud's been been going? Um, and and for something that was supposed to be a two year blow off, I was like, why are, why are we doing this on Raw? Why isn't this a two year blow off happening on, you know? I mean, maybe it's not WrestleMania worthy, but you know, why didn't it happen on the last pay per view or the next pay per view after WrestleMania or something like that? Um, I think we're probably still going to see 
this feud progress uh, the, with the way that the, the, the match ended here. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, you know, and, and, and I, I actually really like this match between the New Day and Imperium. It was something we don't see out of either team very often. We saw some really some real intensity out of the New Day, which they've been bringing out throughout the course of this this feud, at least the last I don't, I don't know month or so. Um, but we, you know, Imperium, you know, you think of them, um, you know, as uh, in the ring, you know, the, as, uh, as uh, well, the ring, you know, we get the ring general, but, you know, they're all, um, you know, mat wrestlers and, and things like that. So to kind of to, to see them kind of branch out and, you know, use the arena as uh, as part of their their canvas, if you will, um, I thought was really cool uh, kind of see them a little out of their. Uh, I'm going to say comfort zone, but you know, probably their character's comfort zone. Um, so yeah, I really liked the match in terms of like the video packages and the production changes. I'm, I really have thought WWE needed some sort of a refresh for a while. Like, you know, and, and they would try things from time to time. Sometimes you had things that didn't stick like the words all over the screen. Every time somebody was talking, um, you know, and, and um, you know, they didn't work, but you know, you had things that did, the video packages they are definitely a little different i i kind of like the way that they're doing it like you said that they're they're ma- trying to make things feel a little bit more important i feel like a lot of times in in not to knock the you know kevin dunn era video packages because you know they i mean they did i, I think they did a great job with those but a lot of times they kind of just felt like um you know a little bit of a recap of maybe what happened last week or the last couple of weeks or or even if it was a full recap of the feud um but it just feels i don't know more intense i guess um i, I don't know if that's the right word but um but it does it kind of gives it gives them a bit more of a um pomp and circumstance and, and a bit more of a, a a big fight feel as far as i'm concerned um one of the big produ- I don't know if it's a big production change, but I love some of these new camera angles. One that they they used, I think it was last week. They also used it this week. Um, they're returning, and I think it was I can't remember what match it was. They used it tonight, but they returned from a commercial break, and then you have the cameraman in one one, not a whole bunch of crazy different camera angles, just one fluid angle walking down the ramp. And then kind of walking around the ring and watching the action. I think they might have even got up on the on the apron. I can't remember. Um, but it was like a 20, 25 second shot where where, you know, you weren't changing camera angles every three seconds. So, um, you know, just those those small little innovations like that, I, I think, are, are really cool, even down to the lighting. Um, yeah, I, I, I really noticed tonight and I don't know if the, I don't think tonight's the first night they changed it, but for some reason it stood out to me tonight. You know, the, the crowd is kind of blacked out. You don't have the, the red lights, you know, beating down on people. I know I hated going to TV tapings cause I knew I was going to have lights shining in my eyes. I'd much rather go to a house show. Um, so yeah, I, I, I do. I like a lot of these production changes, even the, um, um, like, when Sammy was coming out tonight, and this isn't the first time they've done this, just the first example I can think of. When Sammy's coming out tonight, um, you know, they cut to commercial before he finished his entrance, but then they had you know a bunch of Sammy graphics come up on the screen. They had Cody graphics come up the screen before he came out. Um, I, I feel like it's just a nice refresh, even even down to, and I, and I wanted to try and figure out where to throw this in tonight, um, but even down to the, the WWE 2K24 ratings. Yeah. Um, 
So I was listening to you and Zach talk about it last week, and I am a gamer. I have bought just about, if not every WWE game that's come out since probably Warzone in the 99, 98. Um, I really like the fact that they're kind of incorporating the ratings. And I understand for people that don't play the game, it's like, well, what does this rating mean? For people that do play the game, the rating, it's an, it's, it's kind of like an overall... Um, you take the, their their overall stats, and it's kind of an average of 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 their stats. Um, so it's it's kind of cool to see how the rating affects like the wrestler in in real life. Um, like like Grayson Waller with the seventy four. Like if I was to choose Grayson Waller in the game, I'd be like, okay, he's a seventy four. I'm going against. Um, wow, why can't I remember who he faced tonight? Um, I don't remember who he faced tonight, but uh, Waller. Yeah, Cody. Cody, thank you. Wow, no. yeah, main, it, it main was, event. It was the main event, but it also was so secondary by the time it was over. So, uh, right. Yeah. Um, but you know, obviously, Cody, I believe, was like ninety something, eighty nine, ninety something. Um, so if you know, I was playing the game, and I you know was to pick Grayson Waller, I know that I'm going to need to fight a little bit harder to defeat Cody Rhodes. Um, so if you play the game, those those ratings i think kind of are at least for me they were kind of cool um but i could i could definitely see for somebody that isn't a gamer or doesn't play the 2k games um you're like what do these ratings mean why are we doing right. this this is a weird tie-in and who's who's um, making the ratings like are yeah like yeah it's just and what what what's the what is the context of how the numbers are created who are the experts that decide this why do wrestlers care if it's just some people sitting around going i think this guy gets has more wins and is cooler like you know yeah. it's just they're not really giving that context to the raw viewer and smackdown viewers much less the video game people it doesn't matter that much in the video game i don't think anything's jumped out to me as like crazy off um but it, there's a certain level of arbitrariness that comes without context yeah no for sure for sure um but yeah, but no, like I said, overall, I, I really do. I like the production changes. Um, you know, as, as much hate as Kevin Dunn got, I mean, you know, he definitely had his, uh, you know, his strengths and, and, and things over the years. Um, so, you know, got to give him credit where credit's due. But I, I really think the show needed a refresh production wise. Yeah. Um, and and it, feels, it feels great right now. Down, production, creative all the stories are kind of intertwined they're flowing together really nicely from segment to segment doesn't there's never like a jarring moment or anything like that um so yeah overall i i I really like the the production changes all right uh also uh jd says chelsea green does a great job at garnering genuine heat she did such a good job tonight that it seemed like she Actually got Raquel a pretty good reaction, even though I don't feel like Raquel has been particularly over since moving to the main roster. What do you think about the use of Chelsea Green, Nate, uh, on the main roster? I I love Chelsea Green on the main roster. Like, so uh, I was actually listening to her in an interview uh, that she did with uh, Chris Glenn Veet. Um, probably I don't know. I think it came out a couple weeks ago at this point. Um, and, you know, one of the things she says is she's not in this right now. She doesn't she's not in it to for her. She's in it, you know, for the stories like so if she you know, if she's going to go out there and, and be out there for 30 seconds, she's going to give it the best 30 seconds she can because that's what the company needs. And that's what's going to tell the best story. Um, 
so I think they're utilizing her very well, um, you know, down to the obnoxious, uh, you know, I, I say obnoxious, but I love the way that, that Samantha Irwin, uh, Irwin like announces her, you know, the, the over the top Chelsea Green announcement. Um, and, uh, you know, she comes out super cocky and then just gets squashed. Um, I think it's a I think it's a pretty good use for her. Um, you know, she's. She's, I mean, she's a decent wrestler, but I, I definitely think there is a ceiling for her. And I think she might even, I, I, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but I mean, she might even know that. So the fact that, you know, she figured out, she found her spot and uh, she's comfortable in that spot and she's um, uh, able to, you know, put other people over in that spot, I think is a, is a good thing. You know, to, to JB's point, Raquel has felt less than on the main roster. Um, you know, I don't know, um, you know, if, it, if uh, I know, you know, she was struggling with the, and I can't remember the name of the, the, the disease that she had, uh, that she has that kind of took her off TV for a little bit that causes like allergic reactions and skin rashes and things like that. So, I mean, I don't know if like that played into it where, you know, she had to be off TV or, or, or whatever, but, um, but I know, you know, she has felt a little less than on the main roster. Um, even, uh, even just the change of her last name from Gonzalez to Rodriguez, I thought was a little strange and almost kind of defined her down a little bit during, uh, you know, during that jump from um, NXT to the main roster. So, uh, and I think even even Triple H slipped up and called her Raquel Gonzalez um, at a press conference after Elimination Chamber. Um, so I don't know what that says, but you know. So, but yeah, um, I think that covers what JB said. Yes, uh, good, good answer. Um, All right, it, it's would Chelsea have been more valuable if she were protected more, or do you think, given the totality of her skill set, that this is a a good role for her, and there's no shame in losing quickly, but also getting mic time to to agitate and get heat back, so to speak. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any real, real issue with with the you know kind of the role she's in now. I I, I also don't think that there would have been, um, you know, any harm in in building her up a little bit and giving her a little bit of credibility before getting to this spot. But um, I I think she's enough of a heat magnet on the mic where she can kind of build some of that. Um, you know, I don't think she's you know the the people that they put her against. I don't think she's necessarily going to. Uh, you know, make the next, um, you know, Becky Lynch or, or, you know, next big star or anything like that. But, you know, for somebody like Raquel Gonzalez, um, you know, or somebody like, you know, on that level, um, I think it's a, it's a good place for her. All right. And uh, finally, where's Cody going to have his match with The Rock? Or will he have one at all? As always, love the show and go VIP. And we covered that enough already. Um, we won't revisit that here. But we'll go to uh, Matt from South Carolina. He says, it seems to me like Triple H's booking style is showing its face more and more each week. What do you think of the way he keeps having interesting interactions between wrestlers who also seem to be in another storyline of someone else? I think I'm liking it. It keeps things moving. Gives something to look forward to. And most of all, it keeps you thinking. Thoughts. So I, I'm curious because, Nate, you've watched intently Triple H's Paul of X booking in NXT um, for years. Um, what do you see translating to Ron SmackDown that seems different than Vince McMahon. Do you think Matt's onto something? Are there things he did in NXT he's not doing on Raw and SmackDown that's actually surprising you that he's either not doing or now is doing that he didn't do in NXT? 
Hmm. In terms of not doing, there's nothing that immediately jumps to my head, but I'll think about it. Um, but no, I mean, I, I, I think that the, um, you know, his, his booking style is, is, is all over the place as far as I'm concerned. Um, he, and, you know, he was still obviously under, you know, when he was in charge of NXT, he was still under, you know, Vince's thumb. I mean, th- there were still things that happened that, that, uh, you know, Vince would kind of change his mind and, um, uh, well, you know, with with like a, something that happened on the main roster, and then they pull somebody from NXT, um, and I think there were even a couple times where you know Vince just flat out said, "No, you're not doing that at NXT." So you know he didn't have complete carte blanche down there, but um, he did have a great way of weaving people together and weaving stories together, um, and that's that's translating to the main roster big time. And I, I know I mentioned it earlier tonight, but. Um, you know, that's that's one of my favorite things in a wrestling story, you know, um, and I, I know I've mentioned it before on the show. You know, one of my favorite things back in the Attitude Era was a lot of those things where, you know, you, kind of like the main top guys and, and, and women on the show would be in multiple segments and, uh, you know, whether it be in ring or backstage segments throughout the course of the show. And there was like it was usually like one or two stories that would kind of be weaved throughout the course of the show and everybody else were kind of like side characters and whatever. Um, but I always liked that because I always felt like it, it made the show feel a little bit more cohesive and um, especially if they bookended that show, the shows with, with that particular story. Now, you know, everybody kind of seems to be a little bit intertwined. Um uh, you know, you don't. You're not really surprised if somebody walks past somebody backstage and uh, you know congratulates somebody or uh, you know, form some sort of a relationship with them. You know, a really good example of that was um, I don't know if it's I think it was this last week on NXT. Um, Thea Hale and Fallon Henley, both of them are faces. They just happen to be in the locker room at the same time, a little forlorn over completely different things. And they had this nice little heart to heart moment where Fallon Henley kind of was like, had this big sister moment, took Thea Hale under her wing, and they walked away kind of telling uh, stories about why they're forlorn and upset. Um, and I thought that was a great segment because they've never had any interaction before other than maybe tag team um, uh, kind of like uh, standing on the sidelines while their uh their the guy counterparts and their tag teams did their thing um but i thought it was a great little story that they told and now kind of the two of them are you know uh, probably going to be uh, together in in nxt um a team or something so i uh i and i see a lot of that translating to the main roster um you know we've talked about it with you know the cody storyline you know weaving between uh, you know, Roman and Seth and Drew. And um, so that's uh, that's my favorite thing from from Triple H's booking that, that's kind of spilt over to, to the main roster now, um, just how they weave everything together. I, I will say uh, to Matt, there's a chance that we're seeing a lot of weaving together just because of unforeseen circumstances like the CM Punk injury um, and even Brock Lesnar. Um, in his situation where that's oh, very true yeah suddenly oh we got to have seth involved with drew but we need because cody was um gonna choose between seth and roman that pulled seth into a storyline more than he would have had punk not been hurt they might have been not very on separate planes if lesnar was around and he was going to take on gunther and and do the honors, as they say, for Gunther at WrestleMania. Well, then we wouldn't be seeing all these people, all these wrestlers crossing paths with Gunther. Um, 
but there is something to this beyond that and it's 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 a, a good thing that it's a good point that Matt brings up because it does seem like Vince had everything very segmented there was not um uh over you know what was the old Google's uh, Google Plus? They had you had your circles where like somebody might be a friend oh, God. and a coworker, and so you would have them in two circles and they'd overlap. And then like Vince didn't want that. He wanted like you've you, you got this group of friends here or this these people are associating here, and then the people way over here with a wall between them. And Levesque has more more mixing and overlapping, and sometimes it's foreshadowing, um, and and other times it's it's just in adjustment on the fly, like I said, with Punk. But I do think he's willing to trust the audience to keep track of the idea that wrestlers have more than one thing going on at a time. And, I mean, Priest standing opposite of Gunther was not on, you know, my, my so-called bingo card for, for, for Raw tonight. Um, you know, Rhea Ripley's been doing different things as a hometown hero, um, opposite of Naya, but also hanging out with Dom, who gets more booze than anyone. He's willing to put people in situations where based on context they act differently but as long as there's still a core something at the core that drives their decisions their actions their attitude i think it can work and i think it makes for a a more nuanced and and layered show i don't think you want everybody having multiple feuds and multiple things that they're dealing with but i I think he's balancing it well and it does feel it feels different um and i think matt's picking up on something and uh, and props to you for the obscure reference of the day with uh, Google Plus there. <laughs> yes, that was not on my bingo card for tonight's show either. Uh, yeah, that, that me either. Yep. Oh, Google Plus. I remember thinking that was going to be a, a thing. Um, yeah, me, me too. I, I, I remember it came out. I was like clamoring for an invite. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um. Wow. Okay, so anything else from Ronnie before we wrap up? We're past an hour and a half here. Um, no, nothing else that springs to mind anyway. I, I'm, I'm going to bring something up. What do you think's going on with Sammy? And he gets a win over Nakamura. Nakamura's in a good role hmm. right now. I wrote in my report. He was kind of become a useful top of the second tier heel. He can get babyface as a good fight. He loses to him. It gives a babyface a boost. He can come back strong because um, he's so good. He's got a good persona. They're doing those good vignettes. But what's going on with Sammy and... The way he's just like, I need WrestleMania, I need wins, I need... Is this just building up to a match with Gunther or a multi- multi-person match? Or does he get... Or does he miss WrestleMania? That turns out to be a defining moment. And then he had... He's had interactions with, uh, you know, Cody saying, I got your back. So they're planting a seed, maybe a heel. Sammy is... A, a, or a, Sammy Tertiel, he's a challenger for Cody. We talk about this plays into Matt's email, you know, where, where a wrestler has more things going on to keep track of at once. You can just imagine the, the storyboard for the characters at the, in the, in the booking headquarters in, uh, you know, in Paul of X head or on his computer spreadsheet or whatever, where there's a flow chart of, okay, he's, he's here now, but he's saying things that are going to work once he gets here in three months. Oh, just the thought of triple H working with flow charts tickled me. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, like my kind of my my gut was originally you know sammy somehow winds up opposite gunther but i'm not convinced that that's where they necessarily go um i actually kind of really like what you just said though where potentially he doesn't make it to wrestlemania he tries he tries he tries he tries he doesn't get that wrestlemania match and they tell a story 
after that, you know, um, and I, I know I've said redemption story tonight with Becky, but, you know, a bit of a redemption story with Sammy um, where he kind of has to uh, uh, prove to himself that um, and to the fans that, you know, he's he's still the man that he was and that he's worthy of a, you know, a title run or, or, or something like that. Um, because when when Sammy gets passionate, man, he gets passionate. Um and I, I feel like that could be a very compelling story, um, but in ter- like, but yeah, it's like I said, as far as like where they're where I see them going, I'm 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 still not a hundred percent sure. Um, I, I uh, gun to my head, I'd have to say potentially, you know, Gunther, but uh, but like I said, I'm not a hundred percent sold on that. Uh, New Day and Kaiser and Vinci had a very good match tonight. We should just, you know, mention that. I know good wrestling yes. is a plenty, and good wrestling alone doesn't draw money. You need to have stories. You need to have characters on journeys. You need to have consequences to finishes. You need to have finishes that count. Speaking of Paul Levesque, we've had some, you know, maybe higher ratio of that not happening lately. Um, but they delivered. What do you think of, of uh, New Day's attitude? And and I, I wrote in my report at PWTorch.com um, that I like Vinci and Kaiser getting the win because they're over New Day. New Day's a legendary tag team, future Hall of Fame tag team. But Vinci and Kaiser were, were marginalized last year. They need to rebuild them. So they go out and have a killer match. Crowd's going nuts. They give them, you know, plenty of time. Crowd's chanting, this is awesome. And they get the win to rebuild them. So I think that's a positive. And it seems like New Day's kind of in a different place right now. They're more serious. They're not playing to kids. Um, but they're also not protecting them, so to speak, where a year ago you would just have expected New Day to be Kaiser and Vinci. Vinci were just sort of, you know, jobbers to the stars and, you know, Gunther's henchmen, but at a lower level than uh, than they are now. So those are some of my thoughts. Um, yours, Nate. No, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, uh, you know, Kaiser and Vinci, they they definitely got to find down um, yeah, after coming up to the main roster. You're down in NXT. You you know you th- you see, you saw Imperium you, you you hear the Imperium music and you're like uh oh okay some stuff's going down, um, but that didn't really translate to the main roster and I, I don't think at first the idea of just you know three uh, really really good mat wrestlers um, you know excited the audience. Um, Gunther was able to win people over with, you know, his his title run and and uh, and all, you know, his his in ring work. But Vinci and, and um, Kaiser, they they needed to work a little harder to get there. Um, I think it's I think it's smart. I think it's wise to, to to have them go over tonight for a lot of the reasons that you said. I mean, New Day, like you said, future Hall of Fame tag team, they can suffer a couple losses. Um and they're going to be fine. You know, they're still going to have their fan base. People are probably not even going to be thinking about the new day losing this match, you know, next week or the week after, um, unless they keep bringing it up on TV, of course. Um, you know, whereas, you know, uh, Vinci and Kaiser, they, they really did need a couple, um, and probably still do need a couple more high profile wins to kind of not feel like Gunther's lackeys and feel more like equals. Um, I don't know if they'll ever quite be equals, especially, and I hate to say it, but especially Vinci, that, you know, Kaiser's the, I think Kaiser's the guy that they, they've got a, uh, more high hopes for, um, you know, in terms of the two in, in, in that, that tag team. But, um, but I think that makes sense, you know, kind of to build them back up, um, get them to be a little bit more like equals with, um, with uh, Gunther, um, you know, and then uh, you know, potentially, 
uh, you know, let them wreak havoc on the tag team division. Um, whether the Judgment Day is still in in control of the titles or not at that point, um, but uh, but yeah, like and and like I said earlier, I thought this match was great for for a couple different reasons. You know, New Day, New Day's intensity, but also the fact that Imperium was just kind of out of their comfort zone. Um, you know, you, you're not. Um, uh, they're not usually in some sort of a gimmick stipulation match. Um, so to put them in the street fu- in a street fight where they're not in the ring, where they're you know um, kind of more comfortable and at at home, um, I thought it was pretty cool. And then especially to see them win in that particular uh, stipulation was uh, you know was cool for me as an Imperium fan, but also to uh, you know to elevate them uh, a little bit higher up the card. Very good, uh, Nate. I think that is all I have for you. Any uh, any closing words or anything else? The only thing I can say is wish me luck. I'm moving tomorrow. Oh God! <laughs> Do you have? Did, did you get all your friends to help, or is this? Or like, is this? Did you be? Did you contact friends you hadn't talked to in a while? Going, hey, good to talk to you. <laughs> Uh, thankfully, I have a, uh, I've got a roommate who's helped me out. I got another friend that's helping me out. So, uh, but uh, but yeah, gonna get a long day ahead of me tomorrow. Well, Nate, thanks for joining me tonight. Uh, good discussion. Um, nice to have some NXT topics to augment everything, and uh, it was good to have you on. Yeah, no, thank you, thank you very much. As always, always, uh, always a pleasure, Wade. Thanks for listeners. Thanks for comments. Thanks for emailers. And uh, don't forget, email wadekellerpodcast at gmail.com if you got questions for tomorrow's flagship or questions anytime about anything for any of our shows. Until next time, Wade Keller, signing off.